Hey y'all, this is the Christ Center Conversations Podcast, and I'm Shelby Stanfill. And I'm Kevin Stanfill. Each week, we come together and discuss the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy listening to this week's episode. Welcome everyone to episode 33 of our Book of Mormon podcast. We're so excited to be here with you guys and... Uh, we actually are in Second Nephi chapter 9 this week, and we have a virtual guest this week, and his name is Daniel, and we, me and Kevin both met him um, in the Arlington YSA when he came down here. Was it for the summer, Daniel? How long were you here uh, for? I was there for four months, but it was more like fall than summer. There you go. So that's when we met Daniel, and we... Went to the temple with Daniel a lot. I remember that. You'd go, you'd ride with us in Kevin's little small car. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we have Daniel with us and he's on FaceTime. Um, So that's why the audio might sound a little weird. But Daniel, if you want to introduce yourself a little bit, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Like they said, I met met, uh, Shelby and uh, Kevin down in Texas in Arlington. I was there for a job training program. And I work in uh, New York City now. I'm a software developer on Wall Street. Not sure how that happened. (laughs) (laughs) He's in the middle of COVID out there, man. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's weird these days. Yeah, I just can't wait for the temple to open up again. Oh, me too. I was just telling Kevin out the other day. I can't wait. Anyway. Well, we can get started. We can jump right into chapter nine. Full disclosure, as Kevin would probably say, we're not going to make it through the whole chapter no. <laughs> because there's a there's a lot of verses. There's yeah. a lot packed in here. So we'll get through as much as we can. How the spirit tells us <laughs> um, before. So we obviously we're we're in chapter nine and and we covered chapter eight um, last week. And um well, I guess it was seven and eight that we were, we went over and, you know, remember that Jacob, he's been teaching the people from the words of Isaiah and it's all about Jesus Christ and his role as savior and redeemer of, of all of us. And so it's kind of obvious, like the next step is teaching like how, I guess what, what that role uh, includes, like the atonement of Jesus Christ, the, the, resurrection. the resurrection, things like that. And Jacob just goes deep. He <laughs> goes really deep into the atonement. And I love how he teaches. He's a great teacher. Um, so let's, let's just dive in. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that in verse one, if I may start us off, um, He says, and now my beloved brethren, I have read these things referring to the prophecies of Isaiah that ye might know concerning the covenants of the Lord that he has covenanted with all the house of Israel. And I really like that because covenants are what tie us together as a as a people of the Lord. It ties us to our God too, like the things that he said that he will do. Mm-hmm. because he's covenanted with us that he'll do them. He has to do them as long as we fulfill our part, which is being obedient, keeping the commandments, right? Yeah. That's super good. I 
in verse, uh, well, verse two really talks about what you just talked about <laughs> as covenants tying us to people, but also back to our, our God. Um, but the word restoration, it says um, kind of in the middle of the verse, it says, until the time comes that they shall be restored to the true church and fold of God, when they shall be gathered home to the lands of their inheritance and shall be established in all their lands of promise. I thought that was interesting because I looked at the word restoration. I usually think of it as the restoration of the church, right? Coming back and being reestablished. But this time I looked at it in a sense of a restoration of all the covenants that have came to gather Israel. So a restoration of Israel is how I kind of looked at it uh, being gathered rather than a restoration of the church, which actually they're pretty synonymous, but I just had looked at it in a different way than I never had before when I was reading it. And I thought it was pretty cool <laughs> that it yeah. had kind of like a double meaning, but the same, at, the same meaning at the same time, if that makes sense. I think we all probably honed in on that word, like, yeah. oh, restored to the church. Like, that's cool. Like, until that time when they'll all be gathered in, um, I I wrote in my notes in the margin, um, I guess in the app, though, uh, I said restored, gathered refers to the blessings of the temple. Like, that's what I thought of when mm -hmm. everyone has the chance to benefit of or from the blessings of the temple. Yeah. And that could be on earth or in the spirit world or during the millennium, even. Which Jacob talks about. Yeah. <laughs> What are some of your thoughts, Daniel? Well, the, that's the great thing about it, because uh, the, the restoration is called the restoration of all things. Yeah. So all these things are being restored. And it's the, the thing that stands, out about, stands about, about this to me is that uh, the Book of Mormon is part of the covenant of, part of the Lord's covenant with Israel, and that he would gather them. It's the sign of the gathering. Mm -hmm. And... We have this book now. I love it. Yeah, I like that. If I may, I wanna, I wanna. You said he, you like Jacob because he's a good teacher. Yeah. And I know I already shared this with you, Daniel and Kevin, before the podcast, and you're talking. But I wanna share it to our listeners too. Yeah. Um, in verses four and five, uh, he he's teaching. Well, he's teaching in the whole chapter, but four and five, I noticed something that he he does. Jacob does when he teaches. Um, and he says, basically, he builds on the knowledge that his people have. So he says, for I know that you have searched much, many of you, to know things to come. And then this is the phrase that I really, really liked. He said, wherefore, I know that ye know that our flesh must waste away and die. Nevertheless, in our bodies, you shall see God. So he says, I know that ye know. And then he says it again in verse five. He says, I know that ye know that in the body ye shall he shall show himself unto those of Jerusalem. And I just thought that was a very, very powerful teaching method to build on for anybody in our lives. You build on the knowledge that they have. So you're saying, well, I know that you know this, and I know that you know this. And because you know that, I can now teach more, right? Like I can, I can teach a little bit deeper than what you already know. And it's a good teaching tactic, not only for like if you're a teacher in at church, but maybe just for your kids, you know, well, you know this and you know this and I'm going to teach you this. So you just keep building their knowledge. Um, and it can be even if you're teaching someone at work, right? 
well, you know how to do this and this, and now you got to learn this. So it's a very good teaching tactic that I saw in Jacob um, at this point in the scriptures that I just want to throw out there. <clears throat> yeah, he's got, you know, even in, in the mission field, um, you're taught that you have to take people from where they are right. to where you are. Right. And that could be quite a ways. I mean, the, the very first concept that um, is in Preach My Gospel within the lessons is God is our loving Heavenly Father. That's where you have to start. If they if someone has no concept that God is our Father, our actual literal Father, then there's some things along the way that aren't necessarily going to have the same impact. They're not going to have the same meaning. It's like, right. why does this guy even care about us, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I, I, I think that there's also some accountability there, too. Like Jacob is saying, now I know that you know th- that this is true. And so the things that I'm going to speak on and expound upon next, they make them, you know, that you, you, you can't say that you don't know this because I know, you know, and I'm even bringing it up right now. And so now we can expound upon it and um, I guess it can, yeah, it can, it can, it can impact our, our behavior. Right. Doctrine understood changes better or uh, changes behavior <laughs> better than what is it? Than it's be- true. Doctrine understood changes attitude and behavior or something like that. Right. I have preached my gospel right here. Something like that. I just yeah. search it out myself. Well, it's, it's a elder Ballard quote. I, I think is that, or president Ballard um, where he talks about, you know, that, that true doctrine being understood can change behavior faster more expediently than if you just understood the behavior or understood the psychology of things. Yeah. But uh, Shelby's doing a little deep research real quick. Uh, (laughs) Daniel, I wanted to scroll back and discuss one thing in verse two. Yeah. It says, um, that these things have been spoken unto the Jews by the mouth of his holy prophets, even from the beginning down from generation to generation until the time comes. And then we talked about that all people will be restored to the church or the true church. Mm-hmm. And I love how it, it, it states that these things have been taught from the beginning. Yeah. And this morning, or actually last night, I was doing a little bit of old Testament study <laughs> In Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, and in the Institute Manual for the Old Testament, it says, you know, when is or when was the beginning? And it's like, well, we don't really know when the beginning was. Like, that's a relative. We just understand that it was the beginning of our creation, maybe not even the creation of mankind, just our current creation. Um, but that's a really cool thing that it it's hidden there or not hidden, but it's, it's interwoven in the scriptures that these things have been taught to man from the beginning, from Adam all the way down to us at the current time. There's never been a time where the Lord has not made it clear the things that, that would be expected of us. 
or the things that he would do for us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm reminded of a DNC when it talks about uh, Adam's blessing of his righteous posterity. I, I have to imagine, you know, he laid out the plan of salvation for them, and he's been doing it all along. Yeah. Yeah. Shelby, you found something. I, I found the quote, you guys. Nice. Um, we were very, very close. It oh. says, true doctrine understood changes attitudes and behavior. The study of the doctrines of the gospel will improve behavior quicker than a study of behavior will improve behavior. That's right. Yeah. So it's right in there in chapter two of Preach My Gospel if you want to do it. It's live what you learn. So, oh. yeah. So that's just a straight like quote from the from the Boyd text. Oh, it's Boyd K. Packer. Yeah, it's a little back. Okay, <laughs> I knew it was one of those uh, those old guys. <laughs> okay, but speaking of that, well, there's a lot of doctrine in the next couple of verses yeah. uh, that are in four, five, and six, and then so on. So he really Jacob really touches on um, the resurrection. And the, well, he goes through a little bit of it all. The resurrection, fall, how there was transgression, and then how that leads to the atonement of Jesus Christ. Um, And one of my favorite things in the scriptures is the phrase, must needs be. Um, And I always circle them. And there's a lot of them in verse 6, where it says, if this happened, this must needs be, and this must needs be, and it must needs be this, and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of them throughout this whole chapter. So if you haven't read it, um, do that. It's really cool to find those must needs be phrases and what they lead to and why they're saying them. So it's pretty cool. Before we get going, um, Jacob says something that is like, I I just... um, I try to put myself in the in the foot, not in the footsteps, but the the places of the people listening to this sermon um, when he gave it. He says, "In our bodies we shall see God," even though he just said that the flesh must waste away and die. Mm-hmm. And so he's putting something there that's like, well, how how can those two th- things? be reconciled, right? If our, if our bodies and flesh waste away, how do we see him in our bodies? Right. And, um, so from that, he also talks about, um, of course the, that all flesh is subject to, to die. And, um, and in verse six, where you were kind of leading us to, um, Death is a natural part of the plan. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not something to be necessarily feared or something to, to, you know, of course it's a brief separation from those that you, you know, and love here on earth. Um, But we're all going to the same place. Um. Daniel, is there anything in verses six and seven? It's pretty, it's chock full, but what are some things in those two verses that jump out to you? Well, what I like is how he just lays it out. You know, he's making a logical argument to these people. They may not necessarily accept the full spiritual argument, 
but he's laying it out logically, so they can't really refute. Hmm. I never thought of it that way. That's true. I like, I wrote in my notes, I put death, death will come, and then I put an arrow down, and I put resurrection, power of resurrection, then I put an arrow down, that came by the fall, and then I put an arrow down that put by transgression, and then I put another arrow down that put fallen and cut off, and I put equals infinite atonement. Because to me, that was a way to see it come laid out to get to why we have the atonement. And then I put the option of what happened if there wasn't an atonement and the power of resurrection. Because he talks about that, too. Something that I did, and it's actually I I got the little activity from uh, Come Follow Me Mm -hmm. months back, which is I underlined in one color all the things that like are a blessing or a result of the resurrection. And then in another color, I underlined what would happen if there were no resurrection. Mm-hmm. So, and let's just, let's just read starting in verse six, because we've okay. kind of been jumping around it, but I think the doctrine just needs to be stated. Okay. Okay. Go so <laughs> verse six, for as death hath passed upon all men, meaning everyone has to die. <laughs> To fulfill the merciful plan of the great creator, there must needs be a power of resurrection. So we all have to die, but we have to meet God in our bodies. So there has to be the power of the resurrection. And the resurrection must needs come unto man by reason of the fall. Otherwise, if there was no fall, no transgression, Adam Adam and Eve would have just lived forever. They wouldn't have died. Right. And so, um, and the fall, of course, comes by reason of transgression. And because man became fallen, they were cut off from the presence of the Lord. That's the real issue. That's the, that's the issue that, I guess, the problem that is solved by the atonement of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Once we're cut off from the presence of the Lord by transgression. Or sin. Or sin. There has to be a way for us to get back to his presence. The only way that we can do that is when the the demands of justice are met. We talked about that earlier. Right. Many times. Um, in verse 7, wherefore, it must needs be an infinite atonement. Save it should be an infinite atonement. This corruption could not put on incorruption. What does that mean? So it, like save it would save it should is kind of like except the atonement be an infinite atonement. This corruption could not put on incorruption. I don't know. One of you teach me. <laughs> yes. Uh, part of how I understand it is that corruption applies to a lot of different things. It applies to the state of our physical bodies, how they decay, um, but also uh, relates to our souls. The the fact that we've committed sins, that we've fallen short, as as Paul puts it. So without an infinite atonement, our bodies couldn't possibly go from decay to glorified perfection. Our spirits couldn't go from decay to glorified protected, uh, glorified uh, 
perfected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our bodies are, are in perpetual decay from the time that, you know, pretty much the time that we're born. And there's like a, there's a point at which our peak renewal process starts to then decline, right? We hit our peak somewhere around like what, like that your twenties, maybe. I don't even know. Like, cause you, you see the young kids, like 16, 17 year old kids, and they are just, they're so quick to recover. They're so go, go, go. They, they don't need, although they need sleep. We know that sleep is so important for them. You, you feel like they could just run circles around you all day. <laughs> and then at a certain point that peak levels off and then, you know, depend, you know, depending on your, your nutrition, uh, how much sleep you get, all these things, your genetics, um, you're just on this downhill slide until death. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> but remember death is okay. It's not a bad thing, right? We learned from the scriptures. The whole reason I brought that up is, yeah, our bodies are fallible, like frail things that they're not meat for the purposes of eternity. They're just for this mortal life. So that's one thing that has to be rectified and it's done by the atonement of Jesus Christ. So I want to I want to correct you on something. Oh. Our bodies are not just for this mortal life. We do oh. get our bodies of course after this life. The difference is that right now our bodies are flesh and blood. Mm. And when we're resurrected, we're flesh and bone. Uh, and some other element, right? And some, some other element that I, that, that I right. cannot figure it out. But I just wanted to <laughs> say no, no, no. that that our bodies, they will be resurrected together and we will still have them after this life. Just 100%. in a different state of being, obviously. My mistake. I I did make it. Of course, we talked about it earlier that in our bodies, we will see God. So, of course, our bodies will, will take up the body that we have currently in the resurrection. Right. Um, my only point being <laughs> that the, the state, like Daniel said, this corruptible decay state that we're in, that had to be rectified somehow. Right. And it was by the atonement of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. Being- and, uh, the scriptures talk about John the Beloved who, uh, who would not taste of death, but, uh, Book of Mormon says that even he had to go through some sort of change, otherwise he would have got to death. Right. Right. Man, what? Uh, <laughs> we could we could go, we could search for what happened to him for a long time. Like what? <laughs> what change happened? You know, like well, I mean, he well, he drank from the living water, right? Mm-hmm. To put it like metaphorically, poetically, he he was so committed to to Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel and fulfilling fulfilling his mission on the earth that the lord was like you know what you get it so i'm going to let you stay here right he fulfilled his desire yeah um so something that really i i really came to understand and learn in this uh chapter in the beginning at least was that he immediately goes into why we have that atonement, which is what we're talking about right now, the atonement and the resurrection, how that all comes to be. But on the other hand, he talks about how wise God was, our Heavenly Father, 
Um, because had he not put this plan into place, when we died, our spirits and our bodies would have been forever separated and our spirits would have become subject to Satan because Satan didn't have a body. And so those spirit, that that part of us would have been subject to, to Satan. And it literally says, um, if the flesh should rise no more, meaning the resurrection, our spirits must become subject to that angel who fell from before the presence of the eternal God and became the devil to rise no more. And our spirits must have become like unto him. And we become devils, angels to a devil to be shut out from the presence of our God. So the whole point of the resurrection, what we learn from that, where we become shut out from the presence of our God is to bring us back into his presence because we couldn't do it without that, which is why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. So it just really honed in on, on, well, at least the spirit taught me this a lot was that you have to understand that there was another so-called option, but in God's wisdom, he was not going to let that happen to us, which really shows his love for us. Cause I, I don't want to be subject to a devil and an angel to a devil. I want to become, I want to come back into his presence and stand before him, hopefully, (laughs) fully repentant and ready to enter into the glory that I earned here on earth, whatever that may be. So that part really um, showed to me how important this crucial part of the plan of salvation was. Uh, It just really hit hit my heart a lot. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Daniel, any thoughts about that? Uh I think it's interesting that uh, by just not qualifying for being in the presence of God, that we would become subject to Satan for time and eternity. Um, And of course, the Lord knows that, so he provided a way. And I'm very, very grateful for the atonement, and for Christ's atonement, and for that power that it allows us to have in our lives to overcome the deceiver. Yeah, and Jacob says that exact thing, right? He says, oh, how great the goodness of our God who prepareth a way for our escape from the grasp of this awful monster. That monster, he says, is death and hell, right? Which is the death of the body and also the death of the spirit. Jacob has a better way of words than I do. Uh, yeah, well, you know, he was, uh, he was, well, he was an ordained teacher, right? We're just, we're just fumbling around talking on the internet, right? You know, this was a verse that a bishop shared with me, and I remember reading it and thinking, this monster, you know, Satan. He can't touch me. The only way that he touches me or gets to me is if I let him, right? Like if I give heed to the temptations and if I enter into secret combinations, you know, like things like that. Um, That's how I give him power to do that, right? You know what I mean? Like I've chosen that direction. And so that's why it's so powerful that we choose to follow our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
something that I wanted to kind of circle back to, um, and it goes along with what you were just saying, Sheldon, is that so before we lived here on the earth, we existed as spirit um, in the in, in heaven, right? With God, with Jesus Christ, all together as a family. And from what we understand, there was some, I don't want to get into too much of what the, like the council in heaven and then the war in heaven, which are somewhat synonymous with one another, I think in a lot of ways. Um, But that was our first estate or first um, state of being. And now we're in our second estate. Those of us who kept, as the scriptures say, kept our first estate are given the second estate and apparently our, our behavior or the choices that we made in, in the first estate have affected our conditions in the second. That's not necessarily to say that um, they're not temporal conditions, right? Not necessarily. So um, when we choose to follow the Savior, when we, when we choose to choose his plan, like when we choose to do what he asks us to do, there's a, an inevitable direction or path that we're put on that leads us to a new just a new part of the plan where we can grow even more. We can learn even more. We can do more because we could only do so much as spirits. Right. And now we're here on earth and now we have bodies and we can do things. We can really uh, make great impact and, and we can interact with one another. And so, but as long as we choose the gospel plan, we'll, graduate to the third estate which is after we've been resurrected and the conditions there are based on our choices here and so it's like this this eternal progression that we're on and so i just wanted to kind of talk about that because later it it well before it it did talk about you know this devil who fell and like well what what was that about we're actually going to get into that later on in second Nephi. I can't wait for us to talk about that. Daniel, did you have any other thoughts on what Kevin said? No, not really. Okay. I think Kevin did a really good job just laying it out. Yeah, I think so too. I just wanted to see before yeah. we kind of moved on. I know it was, well, all right, we'll move on. <laughs> I know sometimes I'm a little bit tangential, but I think... I, I, I learned some things in my studies that uh, I was like, okay, this is something that I've got to put down because, you know, and it's not like this is a comprehensive doctrinal publication, right? But nevertheless, there should be times where we like we take an aside and talk about, well, this is an important doctrine so that we can not only remember it, but it can be preserved and, you know, in a whole the podcast can kind of work uh, toward one one direction. So 
Um, Shelby, do you want to take us on further? Okay. So now that we have the understanding of the plan and the resurrection, um, it then goes in to talk about uh, the temporal, well, the temporal state of death, which is the grave. (laughs) And then it talks about uh, two types of death, the spiritual death and the temporal death. And in verse 12, it says spiritual death is hell. So spiritual death, in other words, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but spiritual death is when we decide not to follow God and to keep his commandments. And in essence, we're sinning, excuse me, we're sinning um, and we're, and we're being taken away farther from him, farther from his presence. Um, and temporal death is just that we die. Our bodies stop working. Our heart stops beating um, in some way or another form. And so what he talks about here is the death, those two deaths. And I just want to read verse 12 to kind of lay it out. It says, and this death of which I've spoken, which is the spiritual death shall deliver up its dead, which spiritual death is hell. Wherefore death and hell must deliver up their dead and hell must deliver up its captive spirits. And the grave, so here's the temporal death, must deliver up its captive bodies and the bodies and the spirits of men will be restored one to the other. And it is by the power of the resurrection of the Holy One of Israel. Um, And then, so I think we kind of understand that, that there's the spiritual death and there's also the temporal death. And then he goes on to say again, how great the plan of God, because he talks about how on one hand, the paradise of God, those spirits of the righteous will be restored to themselves to become immortal. And I thought this was interesting. Let's just pause right here. It says that they will become incorruptible, immortal, and they are living souls having a perfect knowledge like unto us in the flesh, save it shall be that our knowledge shall be perfect, have a perfect knowledge of our guilt, our uncleanliness, and our nakedness. And I thought, and that they'll be clothed in in purity. But the same thing happens for people who did not follow Jesus Christ. They also still have that immortality. That comes to everybody because of the resurrection. So it's just interesting because now that we know of the plan, how we get back to God, no matter what choices we make, we are resurrected. We do become immortal. Immortality is a gift to all. And then at that point, we're brought to a judgment to be judged, right? And that's kind of where it goes from here. And that's over a span of a few verses. Um, And it talks about judgment, really, I would say around like 15, 16, 17-ish. Mm-hmm. And that talks, and that, that gets into the law. So there's a lot there. So is there anything we want to talk about kind of in the last part of our podcast that stuck out to anybody? <laughs> Yes, um, just a, a thought that stood out to me just now is, um, so verse 12 talks about the spiritual death, which is hell, and yeah, that's the separation from God. It's the state of torment, fire, lake of fire and brimstone, but it's also just the day-to-day uh, separation between us and God, The uh, right. where we don't follow, where we rebel, where we reject. And I just was, I can't help but just stand in awe of how generous our Heavenly Father is with the number of second chances that we get. 
Because even the people who who are in the cell, you know, they have the opportunity in the spirit world to repent. And we perform ordinances with them in the temple. And he gives us so many opportunities just to come back to him. It's astounding. Yeah. There's actually, um, when I was studying this, there's a verse. Well, we don't have to read it, but it's in Alma 40 is a good chapter to study along with this one with Second Nephi 9, because it also goes in depth on the resurrection and the judgment um, and the spirit world, what you're talking about, Daniel. Um, so if you guys want to study more about that, you can go to Alma 40 and you can start in verse 11 and go from there, because that talks about the spirit world and the uh, what do they call it? The misery or the unrest, not not paradise, but just a state right. of misery. Yeah, so prison. Um, prison, thank you. That's the word. So anyway, um, that's a good one to study if you all want to study side by side with another chapter in the Book of Mormon. Sometimes I feel like there are opportunities in this podcast that we could like bridge a Chapters. few like <laughs> another chapter later on, but no, you just gotta wait for <laughs> You know, you gotta wait two. You gotta wait two, two years, years to get there. If you if you want us to talk about Alma, you gotta wait for it. Um, but we will always hint to those things because uh, obviously um, uh, you can always go and and look at those other things uh, along with these podcast episodes. So, um, yeah, I uh, I love how. In verse 13, I just have to bring it up because I, I've i highlighted it multiple times because it's in like multiple different colors. <laughs> in 13, at the very beginning, when it says, how great the plan of our God, for on the other hand, the paradise of God must deliver up the spirits of the righteous. Um, I just love how it talks about m- that it must deliver up the spirits um, and the grave deliver up the body of the righteous um, and those being restored one to another because the Lord has to do what he said. It goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the chapter or of the episode, which is um, I think it's best said in Doctrine and Covenants uh, section 82 verse 10 I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say. But when you do not what I say, you have no promise. So, you know, these things, the Lord has promised they will happen. They have to happen as long as we keep our end of the deal, so to speak. Um, Go ahead. And and I was just going to go back to that all men... um, who, that, that have passed away shall come to immortality um, and appear before the judgment seat. I love that. I had something I was going to say, and then it left my head. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, I know. Oh. It, just, it just came back. Yes. Um, <laughs> what does all of this mean for us? I like to stop and do that in the scriptures. Like, how do we how do we apply this to our lives right now? Like when we read all this such rich doctrine, 
what does that mean in our day-to-day life? Because the first thing I've thought of is that when we lose somebody, when we experience a death in our families or with a friend or someone, we have a knowledge that we're going to see them again and that they're going, because we know that death and the resurrection that power does exist because of Jesus Christ. And so we know that we will see them again. And that knowledge is very powerful and comforting if you've lost somebody, right? If And, and what Daniel talked about earlier, that even if they died not following the commandments, there's still a chance for them to follow the commandments, <laughs> right? Right. That's, very, that's a very powerful uh, thing that you can take a comfort from in your day-to-day life. And the second thing I thought of was, and you guys can chime in on what you think this, how this applies to you right now. It's just that we, even though we are cut so-and-so cut off from the presence of the Lord, that restoration of everything in the beginning, what he's talking about, the restoration of the church and of Israel and of gathering and of covenants, those are what bring us back to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And that's a powerful link that we can access right now in our lives, right? And that that power from the temple and covenants and things that we do, I mean, you can be surrounded by his presence that way. And that's how I, I take it personally in my life. Yeah, if I can, um, and I definitely want to hear what Daniel has to say about this, but you know, this life is, uh, is sometimes described as a thresher. And when I say that, I mean, it's, it's hard, right? I mean, we're, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. There are millions of people who have been impacted by it. Um, and even in times that are relatively tranquil, uh, even when people aren't, you know, sequestered in their homes, it's still hard. There's financial woes. There's uncertainty about the future. Um, there's heartbreak, you know, uh, the, uh, and of course, loss of loved ones. There's so many things that can really wear you down in this life. Like we talked about our bodies decaying. Sometimes that creeps over into our consciousness and we think like, man, this is all just uh, wasting away. You know, Um, a lot of that has to do with our perception of reality and what the the savior, he steps in and by way of his prophets and says, hey, it's there is hope. You know, this this is a beautiful plan that we have that you get to experience all this great, you know, this, this happiness and um, you get to learn so much and any of these trials are going to be for your gain eternally. And so be of good cheer, you know, like come, come ye saints. When you, if you read that hymn, it's all talking about, man, like this is a rough time that we're having, but when we do get to our, 
our promised land, it's going to be so wonderful and so glorious. We're going to have that rest. And even if we die on the way there, even better, because we get to go back home to our God, our Father, into that eternal rest. Mm-hmm. And, and those who go on before us, they, they'll remember us. They'll, they'll carry something, you know? So I, that's how I, like, that's what this means for me in my everyday life. That way things, bad things can happen to me and I can take them with, in stride. I like that. Yes. Um, and, you know, we, we suffer so many infirmities in our bodies as, as they break down or due to circumstances even beyond our control. People, uh, people born with uh, mental handicaps or with physical handicaps or people who suffer from uh, mental health reasons. And uh, the Lord took on all those things himself so that he would know how they feel so that he can suffer us in these times. And he knew, he knew before any of us what going through coronavirus would be like for each one of us. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yes. That's a very good point to right now, our day and time. Right. Like exactly oh, yeah. to the point. Although it's, although it's not what we think of when we, when we read that great, uh, you know, great amounts of blood came from every pore in his body. Um, but he also knows what it feels like to be like, um, what's the word, the cooped up in your home and, you know, be kind of bored. Right. And not just bored, but like aimless, like feeling like, oh, I just, when is this going to be over? Like restless too. We always go to the extremes of what the savior has experienced for us. But he also knows about the the things that kind of pick away at us, the things that wear us down literally and, and metaphorically. So I kind of like that. I like where that was. I took like the less extreme side of it, not necessarily the, the illness side of it, but the, what the rest of us are kind of going through as well. Um, so winding down, we're getting to that time in the podcast where we, unfortunately, we've got to break it into two parts. Um, we're, we're like not, we're not even halfway through this chapter, but we are to this point where after the, after all men have been resurrected, um, they must appear before the judgment seat of the Holy One of Israel. And they're judged according to the holy judgment of God, which is a perfect judgment. He he knows, he knows our intents, the intents of our of our hearts. He knows us perfectly, and um, he's gonna judge us thusly. Um, and that's where we're gonna pick back up next week and uh Daniel's going to join us for as long as it takes to get through chapter nine. <laughs> so we might be one more podcast, might be another one. We don't know. So, um, but I'm very grateful for the things that we've talked about today. 
I'm grateful for the spirit that's been with us. Um, and I, I am grateful for, for Daniel, um, for his time that he's given us. Um, and I, I just wanted to mention as well that Daniel's been a longtime listener and a contributor. We've talked, we've mentioned you quite a few times on this podcast. So I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad to have you here. Um, you bring a, a wisdom and a special spirit to the podcast. I appreciate that. Um, I want to just bear my, my testimony that I know that if we, if we choose to follow the savior in our lives every day, if we just recommit, it's okay. You know, we messed up yesterday. We messed up earlier today. We're going to mess up tomorrow too. But if we choose to follow him, uh, notwithstanding our own weaknesses, we'll be blessed. And, you know, just um, just remember that in our bodies, we'll see him. And so prepare yourself, prepare yourself mentally, emotionally and physically, because mm-hmm. don't you want to show like, don't you want to show up <laughs> looking your best self? <laughs> right. Um, I yeah. say I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Take it away, Shelby. <laughs> well, Kevin is such an eloquent speaker. I can just listen to him all the time. But um, that's why she married me. <laughs> She's one of the few that could listen to me all day. And she does. <laughs> as long as I don't have something I need to say, I'm good. Yeah. You know, I tell Kevin if I need to talk. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I need to speak first and then I can listen. Um, anyway. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I know that everything that Kevin said is true. Everything that Daniel testified of and talked about is true. And I know everything that I said is true too. And we know it by the spirit and by the power of the Book of Mormon. So read your scriptures, pray, and we'll be back next week finishing up chapter nine, maybe. And we will see you all next week. And please tell us how we can improve. We always want to know how we can improve. So thanks for joining us, Daniel. We loved Thank having you. you. And we'll see Thank y'all. You, we'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We hope you're enjoying the Christ-Centered Conversations podcast featuring the Book of Mormon. If you have any suggestions for the show, please message us on Facebook at Kevin or Shelby Stanfield. We also invite you to visit churchofjesuschrist.org for more information on the Book of Mormon and the restored gospel of Jesus Christ.